When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guests, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Goodness gracious, there's more news than pollen nowadays. Welcome to the program. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. A ton going on, and we'll cover it all in the program today, including why I have an unpopular opinion on Tennessee's offense and not as high on Tennessee's wide receivers than some other people, but I'm not down on them. Also, we will get to some more rankings as somebody that I respect, Joel Klatt, has Tennessee at number 10, which I believe is a little bit below. But news-wise, the ACC is exploding at this very moment. Uh, the, uh, The Tennessee Vols are called a wild card team by one big name in uh, the, the national media, which surprised me a little bit. And Georgia has a date with Lyneth Whitehead, who was a ball in August of last year for about, I think, 72 hours. But they also pick up uh, the number one quarterback recruit in the land. So should the balls be worried about uh, Georgia? The easy answer is yes, but I'll tell you why and why Whitehead is not a big concern. All right, Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? I'm doing awesome. How are you, Dave? I'm well, I'm well. It is, um, yeah, like I said, there's a ton of news. And this ACC thing, uh, there there are times where if I could just break away for a while and cover something, this would be something that I would want to cover. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun. So we're looking uh, forward to getting to that. I think this is why that you had the commissioner, Greg Sankey, last year be really coy about North Carolina, be coy about a lot of teams and further expansion, because I think he knew that this was going to happen. So, first of all, we want to begin the program with a comment uh, from Josh Pate, who you probably know with 247 Sports. He does a a show that covers all of college football, does a fantastic job. And Josh Pate has Tennessee as a wild card team. So, let's go ahead and get to that, because I find that verbiage to be a little bit odd. I want to go ahead and say welcome to everyone who is on board. Do you want me to go ahead and pull up uh, Josh Payton now, Caleb, and we'll get to why Tennessee is a wild card team. You ready to go? Yep, yep. go ahead and pull them up. They don't have that element of surprise, which we've seen notably a few times in the SEC. We've seen it elsewhere, like Michigan State did this a couple of years ago. They snuck up on everyone. Well, what was their encore? It was terrible. I do not expect a, a Michigan State 2022-style drop-off for Tennessee this year. They get Bama and Georgia in the back half of the schedule. So even if the worst were to happen, and we watch them at, against Virginia, which is being played here in Nashville, and they look a little shaky, a little rickety, it's okay. because they. So there you go. Go ahead. Yeah, what he was saying was that he was talking about how Tennessee caught people by surprise last year in – we can, and and you can wonder if they would have a drop off like Michigan state, but then he brings up, it doesn't look like it because of the schedule and the way the schedule plays out. So let's get to today's tough question because the word he uses wild card. And I want to address that today's tough question is now it's brought to you by Andy Mason of Andy Mason 
realestate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Get up on that message board. Hit the like and subscribe button if you haven't to this point. And tell me, is Tennessee a wild card team? Brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Andy and his crew have over 40 years of experience. That's right, 40 years of experience in the real estate field. So you got to get a hold of Andy Mason. You will love it. And Andy Mason will save you thousands because he's got the best service and the best prices in the biz, andymasonrealestate.com. A wild card team. Today's tough question, Caleb. I heard Josh Pate's explanation and i get it but what do you think about tennessee being a wild card team and i want to hear from you on the message board let's go i think with josh pate what he's talking about is there's a lot that we don't know with tennessee and so even if there's a champ even if they win a championship this year which i don't think we're predicting but if they were that they could still be a wild card to win it it's the same with texas a&m from the other side uh, for the record, Josh Pate had Texas A&M one of his wild card teams because Texas A&M was awful last year, which surprised everybody. The same way Tennessee surprised everybody by being really good. And so the question is: Will Texas A&M be back to what we expect them to be? Will Tennessee fall from what they were last year? I think that's where the wild card comes in. And in that sense, yes, I'm willing to call them a wild card. They're not favored to win the East. I don't think you or I are predicting them to win the East at this moment. We might, we might when August comes, but right now I'm not predicting them to win the East. And so, and they're not, I think we would be, I think we'd be a little shocked if they made the college football playoff, wouldn't you? Like not incredibly shocked, but it's, it's, it's not unrealistic. It's very realistic, but it's, if, if you had to bet one or the other, you would bet no right now, wouldn't you? Um, given the schedule, given what they return, I am, I, I will, I would, Georgia is the only team that I would bet on to make the college football playoff. Okay, because I think after Georgia, it's I think everybody's a wild card till about 15. This is why I I don't really like the term wild card. And I'm not knocking Josh. I mean, we we all use words from time to time that other people don't think is entirely accurate. But what do you think, Tracy Morgan? That's crazy. All right. I the reason I don't like it is because it's Georgia and everybody else right now. Um is Tennessee a wild card? No, I actually think they're one of the more predictable. Travis says, heck no, not a wild card. We may just win the SEC. And he says South Carolina is a wild card, which I think is a, a great point. Yes, yeah, South Carolina is a wild card. They could come out and they could be as good as they were last November. I don't think they will. Or they could stumble. But Tennessee's not a wild card to me. Tennessee is actually one of the most predictable teams other than Georgia in the entire nation. And it, it's not just because I know them better than any other team. I look at the schedule. I know the roster. I know the returners. And I think this team right now is a solid second to Georgia. Could they beat Georgia if things break their way? If the quarterback position at the University of Georgia doesn't work out with Carson Beck? Certainly. I didn't think they were going to beat Alabama last year. They did. I don't think they're going to beat Georgia this year. They might. So wild card to me is kind of the worst possible term I would pick. And I'm not trying to be that guy that criticizes other media because I got a lot of respect for what he does. I just don't see wild card. To me, wild card is just, it ain't wild card. I, I just, they're more a given than anybody I can think of currently, especially in the SEC. Okay, are they though? I think a lot of people are very... If you took the orange, if you throw the orange bowl out, and honestly, I lean more towards throwing the orange bowl out than I do taking anything anything of value from it. I don't know what, how you do. I don't. I didn't take that bowl game seriously. I don't think Clemson took it seriously. That both teams were shells of themselves playing in that game. If you throw the orange bowl out, you're really concerned about Tennessee football entering the fall because you don't know what to expect from Joe Milton at quarterback. There's still a lot of unknown, and I think that unknown does make them a wild card. I mean, the but and, and that the reason I clipped that part of what Josh Pate was talking about, he went into the whole thing about Tennessee. I encourage you guys all to check him out. Josh Pate does a great job. I love to send shout outs to people when we talk about what they said in the media. And but what 
He does. And the reason I clipped that is he brings up the schedule. And you're right, the schedule favors Tennessee heavily. But, okay, let's we expect them to beat Florida. But there's still this underlying issue of what if Joe Milton's as bad as we thought he was before the Orange Bowl? What if Florida is a little bit better? All of a sudden, Florida's a team that could beat Tennessee. What if Texas A&M does rebound and become a 9-10 win team? And if Joe Milton's that bad, all of a sudden, Texas A&M could beat Tennessee. All of a sudden. So even though me and you think it's hard to see this team doing any worse than 10 and two, it's still very possible to see this team fall stumbling to seven and five. If Joe Milton is as bad as we thought he was before the orange bowl game. Tracy Morgan, what do you think? That's crazy. And I don't mean this to be insulting, Caleb, but here's my thinking. I believe Josh Heupel, and I, anybody that knows me knows that I'm the most critical dude of coaches in the world. I believe in Josh Heupel and that he will play to Joe Milton's strengths. So even if he's not as accurate as Hendon Hooker, you'll have the, the, the routes we talked about that he throws a little bit better. And I think that if if Joe Milton shows some inaccuracies like he has in the past, and I, I know that's a concern within the building still. I've talked to people within the program. It's still a little bit of a concern. It's like, hey, you can throw it 90 yards, but what if the dude's at 64 yards? This is what somebody said to me. That's an exact quote. So Only I would be fast enough to get to the other to get the other 26 yards. Sorry. Probably right. So <laughs> I think that Josh Heupel will find a way to work around that because I think you would you would rather have a quarterback guru in college than a great quarterback. And I think Tennessee has that. Uh, also, some people are giving you a little bit of our time for throwing out the Orange Bowl. And, and that bring up a good point. You can't just throw it out. Yes, um, <laughs> you can't. Caleb can do what he wants to. He puts the show together every day. I'm just window dressing. Um, now, just I mean, you have a Bowl for Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Just like I threw out the Sugar Bowl for Jamarcus Russell against Notre Dame in 2007. That's what made him a number one draft pick was his Sugar Bowl performance. And I said, throw it out, doesn't matter. Well, I'm going to back Caleb on this for a second because you do bring up a good point. We don't know if those defensive players were super excited to play in a meaningless bowl game. So, you know, maybe, you know, it only takes five plays to make a quarterback look a lot better. I mean, so um, I I can see where you're coming from that. But it, it did happen. Um you know, I, I I also think this, and I don't think this will happen. So y'all don't give me a hard time, okay? Um, because everybody says I'm a Joe Milton hater, and that drives me crazy. Um, I think that if if he were to struggle, I think Josh Hopple would pull the trigger and play uh, the guy that we all love, Nico. So Dave's loving his toys this morning. I am loving my toys. By the way, Jacob, what should people do? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. I do. So it's – I think he would pull the trigger on that. So I've got – I guess when it comes down to it, I can't go wild card when a team has a coach I completely believe in. You and I both – we also catch a hard time because we both think LSU is going to be really, really good really soon. Um, I think the next dynasty, so yeah. Yeah, if if Jaden Daniels – blew his knee out stepping off a curb tomorrow, I would still think they're not a wild card because Brian Kelly's going to figure it out somehow, some way. So I can't go a wild card. Now, I would have said that Michigan State's a wild card after their their strong season in 2021 because I wasn't completely sold on Mel Tucker yet. So I guess it depends on what level you're sold on Josh Heupel. I think their wild card year when they have to replace a lot of people with his high school prospects that he recruited is 2024. Are they really, really good? Or do they take a step back? Because let's face it, Jeremy Pruitt had a good eye for talent, brought in some pretty good players. Was he a doofus? Yes. But ultimately, Tennessee has benefited from transfers and, and and Pruitt's guys. So to me, this isn't a wild card. This is, I would bet a mortgage payment on 10 wins this year. Maybe we're playing semantics, Caleb, but I don't see the term wild card. I, I, think I, feel, wild, like, I feel like we know this program pretty well. Me and you know, the wild card comes from the fact that, again, we think this is going to happen. Let Look, I don't want to be too critical of Hypo, but UCF did get worse every year he was head coach there. They went from 12-0 and 0 to 10-3 and 3 to, what was it, the last year, 6-4, and 4, something like that. Now, I don't really count the COVID year. I think that that's an unfair. We're seeing now that that 
that that that that should everything should be thrown out from from the COVID year, quite honestly. But we did see a little bit of a regression with UCF, and so we we have to see what happens with Heupel this year because this year is going to be a year where we'll get a better idea of 2024 because he is going to have to rely on some guys he recruited this year, not just transfers and recruit recruits. I mean, again, we've talked about the Squirrel White is a guy he's going to have to rely on this year a lot more. A lot of the offensive line are going to be people that he went after. And so, I mean, this is, it's not, it's not fully, this is kind of a test run to a certain degree of something that we didn't see with Heupel at UCF and we haven't seen it with him at Tennessee yet, which is how good is he at scouting talent at the high school level? And we need to find that out. And this is, this is a preview of that. You're right. 2024, it goes all in, but there's going to be some spots this year where we have to see that. Fair. I think they'll be very good offensively still, and I think the defense will be better. So that, um, in a nutshell, that's why I don't see wide wild card. Nevertheless, uh, Georgia picks up Lynette Whitehead. There's a name you hadn't heard in a while, almost a year. Uh, he's a preferred walk-on, so it, it might work out for him. It sounds like the young man has some issues, and I do hope it works out for him because – he uh, has ability, but he didn't last 72 hours at Tennessee. But more importantly, uh, if there were any lingering doubts about uh, Georgia and bringing in a top-ranked quarterback, and those doubts would have been justified given that Stetson Bennett did not have elite ability and had to develop throughout his entire time at the University of Georgia. Also, there's going to be this stigma at Georgia that the quarterback's just kind of along for the ride. But what does Kirby Smart do? He goes out and picks up Dylan Rayola, the number one ranked prospect in the 2024 class and a lot of services. Rayola from Pinnacle High School in Phoenix, Arizona, highest ranked quarterback to choose the Bulldogs since Justin Fields did so. In October 2017, Fields played one season at Georgia before transferring to Ohio State. Now he's a Bear, and Rayola had committed to Ohio State in May 22 um, and decommitted in December. So does this make Georgia more worrisome or same worrisome? Or I think more. I mean, if if they're able to – we've all talked about Mike Bobo as their offense coordinator. That doesn't blow anybody's skirt up. Okay, so if you're able to go out there and get an elite playmaker that can overcome a bit of a bland offense that Mark Rick basically ran while Bobo was there, I think this is scary for the rest of the SEC. What do you think, Caleb? I think it should be, but I think, again, I was going to – I don't think it is because Mike Bobo is there. And I said this for a while. When Mike Bobo was coaching under Mark Rick, for the most part, Dave, that was Mark Rick's offense, wasn't it? That was more Mark Rick than Mike Bobo. Yes. And, yeah. And so, and but we know Kirby Smart is going to fully turn the reins over to Mike Bobo. He doesn't really care about offense. He doesn't want to run the offense. And so we saw what Mike Bobo does running offenses at Colorado State. I don't think he's that good of a coach or a coordinator. And pro-style quarterbacks, more than mobile. See, Dylan Riola is a pure drop-back passer. And here's the truth of the matter. One of the pure dropback passers require more coaching than dual threat quarterbacks at the college level. Because you actually have to teach them to read defenses, go through progressions, make sure you call the right plays, have complex routes. Whereas, I mean, I remember watching Frank Beamer and Bobby Bowden for years when they got mobile quarterbacks, they just threw the ball out and said, hey, get me yards. I mean, Bobby Bowden did that with Charlie Ward. (laughs) Let's call it what it was. He basically was just... Get me yards. I don't care. Do whatever you can do. And Frank Beaver did the same thing with Michael Vick, didn't he? And so. I felt like Mike Vick was Randall Cunningham. I'm going to show my age. Go out there and make five plays and the defense will do it. Um, Yeah. Whereas now with with a dropback passer, you have to coach, do a lot more coaching with dropback passers. So it's going to be more reflection of Mike Bobo. And I think that's good news for Tennessee because I don't think Mike Bobo is a good coach. I don't think he's a good offensive coach. Okay, so to use a NASCAR analogy that you won't get at all because I know you don't like NASCAR, do you? 
not much of a NASCAR fan, but also I came of age during the whole Chase Cup thing that they've done, and I think that was the stupidest thing ever done. In the okay, board. well, I don't want to get sidetracked. But what you're saying is uh, th- this guy, Rayola, is essentially a Wood Brothers driver. Okay, so Wood Brothers was the last of the non-mega corporations to still just be the, hey, let's go work on the car on, you know, you know, on, on Thursday. I, I mean, that's kind of what they were. And they lasted. I have, I used to get paid to cover NASCAR. I don't anymore. So I have no idea if they're even still in business. But they would always find great drivers. But those drivers would not have elite success. Nowhere near championship level success. And they would eventually get a job at Hendrick or somewhere else because they were limited by the car. So basically, you're calling Mike Bobo a member of the Wood Brothers racing team. And yeah, yeah and this Rayola guy is like a future Carl Edwards. But right now he's stuck in a, a crappy Impala. To make it a little more simple, he's Casey Clawson. <laughs> he's, he's Casey Clawson with Randy Sanders. High, hot heat. He's burning the- people. Wasn't Casey Clawson the most highly talented recruit at quarterback in 2000? Didn't everybody want him? Wasn't he a five-star that we knew was going to the NFL? Seems like he was a high four, but yeah, it was it was a big deal to get him from the West Coast. I don't know that they would have had a parade had he stayed at a UCLA or Southern California. Um, but no, I get your point. I didn't think Randy Sanders was as bad of a coordinator as you did. I, I actually think the recruiting – slipped a, a little bit and I thought his play calling was fine I thought his development of his his player development was the problem that's fair that's fair I can I can roll with that it seems like a lot of guys showed up on campus ready to play and didn't get much better so yeah I can I can go with that um but yeah using that for a more simple explanation would be a good idea does does Casey Clawson do as much as Hendon Hooker did last year or do as much as T Martin did in 1998 i say probably yes although they they needed at times with both of those quarterbacks the ability to run and unfortunately casey clausen had a habit of tying his shoes together uh, before every game so he, <laughs> he was the slowest quarterback tennessee's ever he had run he's the only guy that i considered challenging to a race at the time he uh, didn't Cutcliffe, like the- <laughs> Cutcliffe would have developed that Peyton Manning was flat-footed, and Cutcliffe actually taught him how to move in the pocket. Could you imagine if Casey Clawson just could have played for David Cutcliffe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I thought there were there were remnants of that because there was the uh, the the step in the pocket, but he was a little flat-footed. He needed to be lighter on his feet. You're right. I mean, that's I'd never thought about Casey Clawson under David Cutcliffe, but. The resetting of the feet, which if you remember Craig James going way back, guy said, oh, this Peyton Manning guy's got happy feet. He's not going to be good. No, he's not. He's he's resetting his feet every time as he's making reads. It's actually very difficult to do, and he was a master at it, and a lot of people do it. Now, the only guys that don't do it are just guys like Aaron Rodgers who have incredible arm ability. Um, so, yeah, that um, I think it's a concern one day if they replace Mike Bobo. Now, here's the thing to remember, though, about Bobo. And Georgia fans, you could comment on this. We're ripping Bobo, but is that exactly what Kirby Smart wants, Caleb? Because he's not, he doesn't want to run tempo like Josh Heupel does because that puts his defense in a bind. He wants to win at defense. So give me an example, not to put you on the spot, of an offensive coordinator that he would love to have that would be an upgrade over Bobo but don't give me um, a Riley. Don't give me a Hypel because those guys are tempo and he's not going to run tempo. So what offensive coordinator would be out there that might be a good fit? I can't think of one. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. I can see because I had LASIK. It's awesome. They do cataracts as well. And they're local. Don't forget about that. They've got the local vision centers for your annual checkups, but when it comes to LASIK and cataracts, nobody like Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han, where your doctor is local. So give me give me a coordinator. Give me an offense that would be like a scary upgrade for Georgia, knowing that they're not going to do what Josh Heupel, Southern Cal does. 
See, it doesn't have to be Josh Heupel at Southern Cal. What you need is a standard pro-style offense with a level of creativity and use of analytics to stay ahead of the time. You know who would be great? The guy that Todd Munkin, their former offensive coordinator, just replaced in Baltimore, Greg Roman, a guy like that. Somebody that has a level of creativity that, that I mean, just run a standard ahead-of-the-curve pro-style offense. How many NFL offenses now do you see? They're not what Josh Heupel or Lincoln Riley does. But they're ahead of the curve. Sean McVay, somebody like that. You know what I mean? A young, a young Brian Dayball. Yes. Oh, Brian Dayball. That was a, that's a great example. He did a great job at Alabama. Yeah, I, I agree. Those type of coaches who, yes, they run post-style offenses, but they're creative. They use analytics and things like that. That's not Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo is Mike Bobo is another Jim McElwain. Now, Alabama did win two national titles with Jim McElwain as offensive coordinator. I can tell you this right now. They would not be able to win a national title with Jim McElwain today as offensive coordinator. I don't think so. He's way too simplistic. Yeah, you just got to find the next day ball that can develop that quarterback. And I don't, I don't know who that is. Um, I'll ask around. Um, it gives me something to, to think about. There, there's a former Tennessee Cuddler who's actually pretty creative as a coach. That uh... Jim the Cooter? Jim Bob Cooter? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, he's actually a pretty. I don't. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a job, but I. I think they're. I think the back. I, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a more high profile job, but maybe it is that issue that's holding him back. <laughs> but he has a good. And, man, that's been 20 years ago too, and he had a DUI as well. But that's been a long time ago. I mean, it's time to move on. I kind of thought he would. We got a hey now. Hey now. Uh, from the message board. Thank you, Hank Kingsley. All right, so. You're not af- afraid of the upgrade in recruiting at a quarterback at Georgia. I think that it's a little scary because Mike Bobo is going to try to get another head coaching job. And if Kirby Smart makes a splash higher, then that's different. But here's the thing to watch out for. Georgia <laughs> no one's going to hire Mike Bobo. Okay, sorry. Again. <laughs> well, I mean, I like a UCF. I could see a UCF if it came open. Okay, but here's the thing. Georgia fans that you just have to get used to and it's fine because you're winning championships you're going to be what you're going to be and that is a defensive minded team first and there's nothing wrong with that Tennessee was a defensive minded team in 98 that's the way you're going to win championships so you got no complaints but um I actually probably if if I'm Georgia would have liked a guy with uh, a little bit more mobility as opposed to the pure pocket passer We'll see. Um, these guys grow a lot. I mean, Hendon Hooker was a pocket passer, in my opinion, but he could run. Um, Bryce Young was a pocket passer, but could run and had great mobility. The ACC is just absolutely blowing up. Is it sad? That's nah, a little bit funny. You're the ones that signed the contract till 2036. Good gracious. I mean, we, I mean, we might have a college football team literally on Mars by 2036. I mean, Elon Musk could decide to start Musk U on Mars. You're the ones that signed the contract. We shall discuss. So coming up, what teams should the SEC go out and get yesterday from the SEC? Because it's going to happen. It's going to blow up. Two minutes. First, Jacob. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Thank you, Jacob. to own the more that owns every job then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. 
Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. What kind of message board throwing high hot heat? Dewey Warren, shout out. Swamp Rat. The Swamp Rat. How about that? Elias says Jim Bob Cooter isn't the first incredibly country Tennessee quarterback to be an offensive innovator. By the way, Jim Bob Cooter has like an incredibly high IQ. I don't know. He got like a perfect score in the ACT. It was um, a wonder, so, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was both. Oh, I, think wow. he, okay. I think he got perfect on the ACT. I think it was 36. Man, I wish my son had got 36. I wouldn't be paying so much in bleeping tuition. But anyway, that's my problem. But did you know that Dewey Warren was the not one of, but the innovator of the West Coast offense. I love our message board. Actually, he was not. He worked under Lavelle Edwards, not just the West Coast, but he actually really kind of came. He helped develop the run and shoot offense. And here's the great irony of that: the run and shoot offense was the precursor to the fun and gun, which Tennessee could not figure out for the life of them in the nineties. By now, the way, I remember. I remember Lavelle Edwards was doing some speaking engagement, and somebody had told me. Well, and Dewey's never bragged about it. I love Dewey. Dewey's never bragged about it, but he told me, somebody told me, you know, he invented the West Coast offense. I'm like, bull, you know, that's not true. I thought that was in, in San Francisco with, with Bill Walsh in between that coaching staff's visits to strip clubs. Oops. I didn't mean to say that. Um, but, uh, yeah. So we had Lavelle oh, Edwards. Right, he was, shoot. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> speaking of uh, tempo, but so we had we had Lavelle Edwards on because he was doing a speaking engagement in Knoxville. And I said, I'm just going to flat out ask you, did Dewey Warren invent the run? Uh, sorry, the West Coast offense. He goes, absolutely. He said he was the one. And I, I he answered it so quick and so succinctly, so authoritatively that I had trouble with a follow up question. But yeah, he he invented it. Um, it's, we need to have him on sometime. We need to do a where are they now. That would be cool. Yeah, go ahead, and if you don't mind, fill out some uh, – give me some names you want to where are they now, other than the Celebrate 98 series. So the word is – I haven't heard back yet, but I think a guy that played for the Jets is going to be our next guest on our Celebrate 98 series. Do you want to guess who that would be? I'm pretty sure I know a guy who was a pro bowler for the Jets who had a blow up with Rex Ryan towards the end of his tenure there and was, didn't he have a pretty big touchdown against Auburn? Yes. It, it, it rhymes with Ryan Bellis. Yes. <laughs> did they have, did they have a disagreement him and buddy Ryan over Rex Ryan? Uh, oh, Rex Ryan. Yes. Rex Ryan thought he was a trader for signing with new England in his free agent. See. Oh, see, I thought it was Rex Ryan didn't appreciate the fact that Sean Ellis didn't have same love for feet that Rex Ryan had. You've seen that video, haven't you? I did not. I did not. I, needless to say, there won't be a tattoo of Rex Ryan of, of Sean Ellis <clears throat> with Mark Sanchez on, <clears throat> on Rex Ryan's shoulder. Well, I think Rex Ryan has a tattoo of his wife's feet somewhere on his body. Oh, does he have like that type of fetish? <laughs> There's a video of it. Yeah, oh, it's disturbing. God. Oh, those are great feet, baby. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not kidding. Google it when we're done. All right. The ACC is imploding. And by imploding, I mean super, super duper imploding. 
So they get together at some point a couple of years ago, and they're like, I got this idea. Nothing's going to change in college football. It's always going to be the same old Big Ten. It's always going to be the same old Pac-12. It's always going to be the same old SEC. So here's what we need to do. Here's my idea for you. Let's sign a contract for 30 years. (laughs) 30, 30 years. 20 to be fair, but yes. 20 to be fair, but it feels like 30. It feels like 50. And let's make the buyout so immense that you can never, ever get out. So really, it's a bad deal on both sides because the teams can't get out. And now the ACC is essentially going to implode because they're colluding together to make it implode. So who's left? It's like if you and I took over the police department, who's left to give us a speeding ticket? This Nobody. Is... Okay, so... So tell me what's t- tell me what's happening. By the way, for those that don't like speeding tickets, use the Waze app. You heard it here first. That's uh, just a free recommendation. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by Bassy Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Bassy Lawn and Garden Industrial and Commercial Mowers buying power saves you money. Whether you're in Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Cleveland, Tennessee, Bassy Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. So get, give me the latest on the ACC deal. And give everybody the latest because this thing's going to implode. And if I'm Greg Sankey, I'm sitting back and I'm ready to pick a team. There's reason. There's there are reasons it's happening now too, and it's not just because it's a downtime in the schedule. It's because you're going to have all these guys meeting at spring meetings, and you're going to have all these guys meeting at SEC media days where the coaches and stuff. And I'm just telling you, don't be surprised if the SEC expands like before this year it won't go in effect for a couple years but don't be surprised tell me what's happening tell everybody what's happening well buckle up for this arms race guys because it's this is the first time so for his for for a couple bit of history points first the sec versus the big 10 and dave as you know the sec and the big 10 because they're so geographically different they've never really fought over teams the only team that you could say could have been in either conference that the was missouri right but no one was fighting over missouri and this is the dumbest pickup that makes no sense in the history. That's the one time where I felt like the SEC d- dove into let's get a television market, which has been the Big Ten business model. Right, exactly. And that's why the Big Ten added Maryland and Rutgers. So uh, we'll come back to the SEC versus the Big Ten. But for those who didn't pay attention to the show last week, the point of the SEC, the point of the ACC issue is you talked about it. They signed this horrible deal. Florida State and Clemson are making every school in the ACC is getting $17 million in TV revenue, whereas – Florida, the SEC schools are getting 55 and 60 million. No way Florida State can compete with Florida. No way Clemson can compete with South Carolina. So Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and Miami were the original four schools that have said, we want to get a higher piece of the revenue sharing. The ACC is like, tough break. And then they're like, well, we'll leave. And the ACC says, well, you can't leave. We got this giant exit fee and we got grant of rights through 2036. So we can blackball you from being on TV if you go any, to anywhere else. I predicted last week, because we found out the ACC has two more teams on board. I predicted that the plan was to make sure that when they leave, the ACC implodes, because if the ACC doesn't exist, there's no grant of rights. I was wrong. They have a new plan in place. Just get a majority of people on board. They can vote to, if you get a majority of the athletic directors on board to vote to end the grant of rights deal, <laughs> then theoretically it doesn't even matter. Right. Get, yeah. Well, they already got seven schools. We found, and they only need eight for majority. We found out who the seven were. The four that I just talked about, Brett McMurphy of Action, Action Network reported yesterday. The other three schools on board, Virginia Tech, not shocking. They're a pretty big revenue generator. Virginia, also a decent revenue generator, which shocked me. I didn't realize they do. So they actually are a pretty good money driver. And NC State. Guys, they need one more school, and they can vote to end the grant of rights deal and end the exit fee, and the ACC's over. Here's what happens at that point. The Big Ten and the SEC, for the first time, are going to be locked in a bloodthirsty battle for schools. So what's going to happen is I'm going to tell you the the first part. I'm going to tell you how each conference tries to add teams. The Big Ten, Dave, as you know, has the AAU requirement. You got to be an AAU member school academically to be able to join the Big Ten. That's their requirement right now. The only exception they will make for that is Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is basically AAU quality. They just, because they don't have a medical school, they can't be invited into AAU. Hey, I got to take a quick time out. I don't know what that means. What does AAU mean? So AAU is, let me see what it stands for. Um, 
a, I thought that a, was I thought that was the basketball circuit association of American universities, which is this collection of elite universities that you have to invite schools in there. These are what you call public IVs. If you make, if you, okay. So okay. is UMass in there for personal reasons? <laughs> go, go, no, go ahead, no, go ahead. Boston U was in there, but not UMass, but yeah. So the eight, the big 10 with the exception of Notre Dame, Right now, is still only accepting AAU member schools. If you want to join, they have because the Big Ten for it's unlike the SEC, it's about research along with athletics. So AAU, they have to hit that baseline. Then for the Big Ten, number one to them is markets, and number two is brand. For the SEC, it's the reverse. Number one is brand. Number two is markets. Academics don't even matter; <laughs> they're just taking the revenue. <laughs> but yeah. and regionality, and regionality, except yes. Except for Missouri, which I guess is kind of a southern state. So the first easy split is going to happen. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Virginia is an AAU school. Virginia Tech's not. Virginia Tech's the bigger brand. Both are equal in markets. It's an easy split, right? SEC's getting Virginia Tech. Big Ten's getting Virginia. Okay. Like, obvious. Okay, here's where the fight comes. We know the Big Ten wants Miami. We also know the SEC wants North Carolina. And we know the minute the Big Ten adds North Virginia, they're going to want to get into North Carolina. So here comes the SEC's issue. I would theoretically think they would add Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and Virginia Tech. They might need to start adding schools like Miami to make sure that the big – the number one thing the SEC doesn't want is the Big Ten getting into their markets. The, even if they don't care for the schools themselves, the SEC does not want big, the Big Ten in the Florida markets. They want to corner the North Carolina markets. So this is where the arms race comes. Is the SEC just going to take all these schools, or are they going to take the schools they want? Because it's the, SEC, the SEC might be trying to keep the Big Ten out. And here's the other question. Even if they're trying to take all the schools, will the SEC outbid the Big Ten for North Carolina? North Carolina is an AAU school, so they got the academics. And the Big Ten has a, a TV deal worth twice as much. They have more to offer North Carolina right now. And so, Okay, here's what I want to do. So I want to go through the... ACC schools that are making the push. So we've got the seven and a uh, new game show that's sweeping the nation. It's called Doc or Not. So if Doc Holiday says that it's okay, then the SEC should take them. You're looking at me like I'm insane, Caleb. So if if Doc Holiday says it's okay from Tombstone, and he was actually a real person, but <laughs> Tombstone, if he says it's okay, then we I think that they should take them, and then we'll get your thoughts. So there are no restrictions. We're going to say whether it's a good fit or not. So I don't want to get it in the conversation of, well, that would be 2018, Dave. Well, yeah, Dave's a dreamer. Dave believes. And so it's Doc or not. So here we go. So you give me the ACC school, and I'm going to Doc or not it. So let's go through the seven, and I'm going to tell you whether or not I would take them into the SEC if I'm Commissioner Dave Sankey. All right, I'm going to go north to south. You mean Greg Sinky, by the way, not Dave Sinky. Um, no, I, meant, I was referring to me. Oh, oh, okay. You make yeah. a joke. Or Greg, or Greg Hooker. <laughs> Either one. All right, Virginia. Uh, Why don't you shut the hell up? <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I don't want Virginia. I'm Does with nothing you. For me. I'm with you largely because of the next school, Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm your huckleberry. Love. <laughs> Love, love, love Virginia Tech. Um, I think that would be a great SEC fit. That's a natural rival, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, isn't it? It's like, okay, so. Yeah. Even without the, the bastardized game they had. <laughs> All uh, right. Motor Speedway where you couldn't see the game because it was five miles away. Go ahead. North Carolina. I'm your huckleberry. Taking it. All right, here's my question. Hypothetically, North Carolina joins the Big Ten. NC State. Mm. Why don't you shut the hell up? You suck. I'm not taking. I'm not taking NC State. You're completely wrong on this, Dave. If North Carolina join, you go all out for North Carolina. But if they choose to join the Big Ten, you got to take NC State. You cannot let the Big Ten in the North Carolina market. While mm. you're not in there, and, but I'm strictly and, ball, man. I mean, they got enough money. NC State is going to be a revenue generator. It's, I know you're strictly ball, but it's about revenue. And NC State still they're, – they're, they probably care more about football than North Carolina, I would say. And uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a basketball state. Okay, go ahead. Let's, let's get through this. 
All right. So, all right. I've named four schools now. Clemson. I'm your huckleberry. No question. And by the way, I can tell you right now, Clemson's going to the SEC because they won't join the Big Ten. They can't. And so. Why not? They're not an AAU school. Oh, okay. You get back to that. All right. Go ahead. All right. Another non-AAU school that I can guarantee you is joining the SEC. So I know where you're going to go. Florida State. I'm your huckleberry. I would take Florida State in a heartbeat. I would too. So right now we're at Florida State, Clemson, one of the North Carolina schools in Virginia Tech, right? Yeah. All right. And I'm losing the, track of how many teams. The wait, SEC and then the last play. one, the U. I'm your huckleberry. Hey, man. We're going to start traveling either this year or next. And Coral Gables is gorgeous. I would love an excuse to go to Miami every other year. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I will say this. I actually wouldn't take Miami from the SEC's perspective. But I would take them now because you – I think you agree, right, Dave? You don't want the Big Ten in Florida. You don't want them in Florida at all. And No, and, and Florida doesn't want that, and Florida State doesn't want that because you would be able to recruit out of out of Miami. So that's pretty mm-hmm. pretty. Now, here's my, here's my last prediction. This is not a revenue generator. They're one of the welfare queens of the ACC, meaning they just take the money and they don't produce anything of value. And But even though they're that – I think this will be the eighth school, and this is where the SEC is in danger. This is where the SEC is in real danger. If the Big Ten gets Virginia, North Carolina, and Miami, Georgia Tech, because the Big Ten and, would love to be in a market. Okay, that's a hard one for me because of the history of it. But I don't know if they could ever be prominent. I think I think they would get beat in almost like Vanderbilt, uh, and I think it would just help other schools. Well, I think it would other help other schools recruit. In Atlanta would probably help Tennessee. So actually, Doc, what do you think? I'm your huckleberry. I will give that a thumbs up. I'm on your side, but for this reason. You definitely don't want the Big Ten in Miami, but you sure as hell don't want them in Atlanta. That is SEC Mecca. You cannot afford to have the Big Ten in Atlanta. Yeah. I can I, I can roll all that. I like what you said. All right. So there was a a recent column that talked about. Tennessee's wide receivers and how they were um, one of the most, was it confident uh, groups or that this uh, particular writer had the most confidence in? Uh, can you help me with that? Was it Mr. Crawford by chance? Crawford? Uh, this was on Saturday down South, right? Okay. So anyway, he, he said that it's, it's one of the positions that, that he had the most confidence in on any team in the nation. And I'm here to tell you that I have complete confidence in Tennessee's wide receivers because of Josh Heupel and what they brought in. But I'm going to be real honest with you. They're not as high on the scale of confidence that I have for some other teams. And that's going to lead us to four downs, which is right now. And four downs is brought to you by Craftreat. So level of confidence scale of one to 10. Four downs brought to you by Craftreats.com. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, jump in here, message board. I want to hear you. We're going to go scale of confidence with running backs, wide receivers, offensive line, and quarterbacks. Brought to you by Craft Treats. Use the promo code off the hook for those chill pills. If your pet has any digestive issues or arthritis or social anxiety, it'll take care of it pretty awesome and they have other non-cbd treats as well so go to crafttreats.com and use the promo code off the hook the promo code off the hook and you will save 20 percent. that's pretty strong so here we go scale of confidence one to ten i want to start with tennessee's wide receivers which got this conversation started one to ten Caleb Calhoun, where are you? I'm a nine. I'm a nine, and I I, I don't know why I'm not a ten. Maybe it's just because of the players they lost. But like, yeah, forget it. I'm a ten. I'm a ten. There's no I, I between Squirrel White, Dante Thornton, Romel Keaton, and Brew McCoy. I'm a ten. Uh, I'm a I'm a seven, and I'm a little more cynical because we are talking about a transfer, and I got to see a little bit more athleticism from from Romel Keaton to think of him as a Hyatt or even a Tillman or even a McCoy. 
All right, so that was wide receivers. You're a 10, I'm a 7. And we're going to get to eventually running backs because that's what I wrote about. It's on offflicksports.com. Offensive line, no Darnell Wright, scale of 1 to 10. And by the way, everybody, 7 means I'm very confident. Go ahead. Uh, actually, I was going to – I'm a 5. I, I, We don't know what Gerald Mincy can do when he moves over to right tackle. Massive questions at left tackle and massive questions at left guard and massive questions on backup center. The only okay. thing you know for sure is Cooper Mays and Javante Spragans. Okay. I'll say uh, I'm probably a little bit higher, but I don't want to say as high as wide receivers. So I'm going to go ahead and bump wide receivers up to eight, and I'll take the offensive line at a seven. So I readjusted. All right. Um, next, the running backs, which I wrote about, which I believe, I'll go ahead and go on record right now. I have more confidence in them based off what I've heard about Dylan Sampson, not publicly, but within that program that they're going to be special good so i'll go first scale of one to confidence this is third down i will go 10 they had i'm not sold on cam selden yet but he certainly looked the part at the very least they have three guys that can play at a high level uh, jabari small even though he put on 15 pounds last year he did get banged up so he can take fewer carries and the thing that we don't say oftentimes enough is Jalen Rice just darn good. We don't say that enough. So I'm a complete 10. I think Tennessee will have its best group of tailbacks since, when we talk trios, since the 90s. Now, they don't have two that are as good as Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara. But if you want to talk three, I think we're talking about about 20 or so years. Um, and there I am on that. So I'm a 10. Where are you? I'm close. I mean, I'm a nine. The only reason I'm a nine is I think Dylan Sampson is the only transformative transcendent running back on the, on the roster that I think could be an NFL star. So if he got hurt, I'm not so sure yet, even though I think, I think Jabari Small and Jalen Wright are reliable, but I can't put it like a 10 is like 1998 when you have two running backs who would be pro bowlers, who would become pro bowlers in the NFL, one, a 2000 yard, a 2000 yard rusher. That's a 10. Agreed. Um, I'll add to this. I'm not sold on Cam Selden yet because they've thrown guys out there in the past. And I've seen this covering football for a quarter of a century. They sometimes throw some guys out there uh, in spring because they don't want to have the other guys beat up. So I think a lot of people, you know, this time last year, we were talking about Justin Williams Thomas was going to be the man. Um, so I, I, I'm not sold yet on Cam Selden. Um, I may be within like two weeks, but, um, so, but I, I'm sold on the other trio. I think Tennessee, barring a rash of injuries, will be very, very good at the running back position in this order. Big playability, Samson, Wright, Small out of that trio. I think they'll be very, very good. So, uh, there we go. So, you can have faith in Tennessee's wide receivers because of Josh Heupel, and you should. You can have faith in the offensive line because remember, he also. Uh, he, he also flip-flopped the offensive line with Darnell Wright last year, which I thought was insane. That worked. Uh, you can have faith in the quarterback based off what he's done with Hendon Hooker. Uh, but I believe you should have the most confidence of any position group on offense out of the running backs. That's where I am on that. And then I want to get to uh, Joel Clapp. His thoughts on uh, Tennessee, and a lot of these lists are going to come out, and we're going we're, we're gonna to do some of these, but it's 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 fodder to talk about and we're gonna have our own list but he did have tennessee at a number 10 um base value i've got no problem with that caleb uh i think they should be considered a top 10 school but one of the things really stuck out to you uh, on the list what yes what stuck out to me on the list was the teams he had ahead of them one of them was, and it's one that's been dry, sticking in my crawl. We're going to start talking about more teams in the future, like we did yesterday with South Carolina. And I'm go- we're going to do one on Florida State in the future. And just, I'm going to spoil it for you guys. I think they're the most overrated team in football this year. Like, I, I, I think it's, I don't get the love for Florida State, but that's a story for another day. But he has them at number eight. That bothers me. The other one that bothers me is Washington at number nine. Now, let's be let me be fair real quick to Washington. 
they do they do have i think they have michael penix jr back at quarterback and this guy is a very highly touted guy just so you guys in case you guys forgot he was committed to butch jones with adrian martinez in 2018 michael penix adrian martinez butch jones butch jones was still getting recruits he just was could not coach him to save his life he needs to get committed to a new hairstylist yes oh my <laughs> gosh it's like straight out of like 1983 right you make a lot of money and you got an eight dollar haircut for goodness sake. Go ahead. So wash that bothered me. Washington, yes, they finished the year strong. I mean, they won seven straight to end the year. They beat Oregon on the road, they beat Oregon State at home. But I mean, come on. Is 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 uh, are we really putting Washington ahead of Tennessee? But one of the things their selling points was beating Michigan State last year, who was number eleven at the time. Well, they weren't the number eleven ranked team, we found out towards the end of the year. And so I think, again, the Oregon win is what they're coasting off of. And Oregon, in case we forgot, lost 49-3 to to Georgia to open the year. So I, I, I got a problem with Washington being ahead of Tennessee. And I got a problem with FSU being ahead of Tennessee. I will agree on both of those. I don't, I don't think either one of those teams should be uh, ahead of, of Tennessee. To me, they feel a little bit like Tennessee last year and that people are trying to get on board with a couple of programs that might be on the rise. Cause I think a lot of people missed on Tennessee last year. So it feels like people are trying to do that. I don't understand completely all the love of, of Florida state. That's, that's going around. And I would like to be proven wrong actually, because I think a lot like Tennessee, I think college football is better when Florida state is, is good. Uh, you can't get any better than great integrity and 50 years of service. That's city heating and air conditioning, cityheatandair.com. And you may not need a new HVAC unit when those temperatures soar and yours isn't working. Just may need a new part or some more coolant. They'll take care of you. So that's city heating and air conditioning, cityheatandair.com. All right. So why is Florida State getting all the love? Ex- explain that to me. Because they finished last year on a six-game winning streak, and people are buying into the and, and they beat Florida and Oklahoma to close out the year, so people are buying into maybe Mike Norvell's building something. And I think that I look if there is one team that I think has, and I think Bobby Bowden to his credit by how great he was with the media and how open he was for decades, rest in peace, and how much of a just awesome guy he was. Bought Florida. I don't think any program got more goodwill bought for them than Florida State. They got more goodwill than Notre Dame. I think people try to will Florida State to be good. So Florida State goes 10 and 3 last year, doesn't beat one team in the top 25. They lose three straight, all to the only three top 25 teams they played. But I think the I think a lot of sports writers have a nostalgia for I mean, who was there a better interview in the nation than Bobby Bowden? And I think there's nostalgia for just how good of a guy he was. So the, there's been a bias for them for years. But who's, I mean, I've, I've, sports media, I mean. Uh, These are the same sports writers, by the but, way, that ranked Florida, that gave Florida State the national championship in 1993, even though they and Notre Dame both had one loss and Notre Dame beat Florida State. Well, I mean, you may be onto something with the love for Bobby Bowden. I, I interviewed him when he won, um, I, th- I think it, he won the award at, at Tennessee and yeah, I mean, it was cool to deal with, but um, I mean, that's been a long time ago. I mean, how many sports writers are still in sports writing that interview Bobby Bowden? I mean, that's turned into a long time ago. When I look at that Florida state thing um, and the, the final wins, which is, is what I was trying to lead you into. Um, well, let's remember they beat Georgia tech. Yippee. <laughs> they beat Miami slightly bigger yippee i guess they beat syracuse you realize these are terrible teams last year Yeah, that's not even that's not even a yippee that's a yip and they beat uh louisiana that's a yip they beat florida who was stumbling from day one who lost to vanderbilt the week before yeah and they just beat them by seven if i recall correctly and then they beat oklahoma who was not a very good football team in a year of transition. And they beat him by three. Yeah. I, I don't get the love there. And what, I mean, if that's every, trying to get ahead of the curve, um, I'm, I'm, every, I'm missing something. 
No, I agree. And everybody's so high on him, on them. And guys, let's not forget until last year, Mike Norvell was on the hot seat. He went three and six in 2020. And he went five and seven in 2021. This is, this is Will Muschamp at South Carolina after 2017 when South Carolina went nine and four because the SEC East was so garbage that year. And I think that we're seeing a lot of similar love happening for Mike Norvell. I, I just, I think, I think Florida state is going to be one of those teams that they're building them up and there's going to be a shock at how bad they are. I mean, and I've, I've, since I've been following college football, the reason I brought that up, I've just never seen a team getting more love than Florida state unjustly over the years. And I mean, that's, that's interesting. Okay. I, my natural comeback is Notre Dame. I used to believe Notre Dame and Notre Dame's right there, but I can't get past 1993. If Notre Dame got more love, how did Florida state get awarded the national championship over Notre Dame when Notre Dame beat Florida state and they both finished with one loss? Okay. Well, help me with this. Did they win the coaches or did they win the AP? Both Florida state won both. Oh, well that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> what happened was so, it was that Florida state Notre Dame one versus two game of the century, right? Notre Dame beats Florida State. Now, the next week, Notre Dame gets upset by Boston College. Fine. But they should stay ahead of Florida State because both teams have one loss, and Notre Dame beat Florida State. And then Florida State gets to play Nebraska for the national title in the Bowl Coalition, I think is what it was called back then, and Florida State wins. And so they're given the national title, and both teams have a loss. That shouldn't have been a national title for Florida State. Now, yeah, they are massively loved. I still remember... And also, there's only like four games. I don't believe in blaming the refs. And there's only four or five games in sports history where I think you can straight up blame the refs and think that game was fixed. 2003 Florida, Florida State is one of those games when Florida State beat Florida. I for, I will go to my grave thinking that game was fixed for Florida State. Um, when I get to the message board for a second, because I apologize, guys. Mine froze up on my end. But I, I, you guys commented, and I always want to uh, get to your opinions because you bring so much to the table. So uh, Travis, for instance, said offensive line seven, running backs eight. Going back to our conversation earlier, um, wide receiver 10. Uh, so offense 8.3. He really broke it down as far as confidence level. Um, and then we uh, had uh, D who brought up a really, really good point. Where is Gerald Riggs Jr. and Cedric Houston? I would take those two over any two that Tennessee had, but I would take the – if you're talking about a trio, I think you have to go further back. I covered that team, and I can't remember who the third tailback was. Was it Corey Larkin, Derek Tinsley, um, yeah. Jabari Davis, right? Is it Jabari? Might have been Jabari. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I got a lot of respect for Jabari's, but like, he, I remember he started a few times in place of Cedric Houston in 2003 and 2002 and was nowhere near as good as Cedric Houston. <laughs> Yeah, that, he he was a guy who in in non-contact drills, you really thought he was the next Herschel Walker or Bo Jackson in non-contact contact drills, like walkthroughs on Friday, and he comes busting through line. You're like, holy gravy! Just hand him the Heisman right now because he was huge and fast and explosive. Contact was not his favorite part of the game, and that's not good for a big back. No, it's not. It's it not. was, uh, yeah, that's that's not the best best thing, but great point, uh, D. And Travis is me. Notre Dame gets more love than anybody else. Come on, Caleb. Okay, you but then how did they give that championship to Florida State? Wait, but how did they give that title to Florida State over Notre Dame? Well, I don't know. You've actually gone back further than when Who would I you have voted for in 1993, Dave? If Florida State lost to Notre Dame, both teams finished with one loss, and you got to pick a national title, who are you giving it to? Aren't you making head-to-head -head the tiebreaker? Well, yeah, but this is night another bad one. It's I got Florida State and Alabama ahead of Notre Dame. Alabama guys, nineteen seventy seven loses to USC. Both teams finish with a loss. Alabama gets finished gets voted ranked number one at the end of the year, not USC. Wait, 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 wait. Notre Dame has made like three college football playoffs because they're Notre Dame, and they go in there and they just get hammered. Okay, Florida State has made one. And also got hammered and didn't belong in that college football playoff. Okay. This may be our first big disagreement. I think it's Notre Dame gets more love than everybody else. And then there's a second level. But I've got, I've got data on my side. There's literally evidence of Florida of when it comes to who do we, yes. I, Notre Dame's in the top three. Florida state's number one. They have the most undeserved national title in history. 
That's true. But I, I do have Bobby Allen should only have one national title to his resume, not two. But I do have the drop board on my side. And what does the drop board say? You suck. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't mean that. No, that's fair. I'd never looked at it like that. Now, I will say above all of them until 2011, the most annoyingly loved person in the history of college football was Joe Paterno. And it was it was it always made me want to vomit before the scandal happened. So you think Bobby Bowden got uh an unfair break at times because he was a good dude good very yes. strong faith christian guy you think a lot of people related to that it wasn't even a strong faith christian it was that he was the media loved he was so good he was such a good interview and honest same with steve spurrier by the way i mean that you saw that with spurrier i think actually i think one of the things that hurt tennessee when there was the whole espn hates tennessee in the 90s i think part of it was a lot of media members preferred johnny majors as an interview to philip fulmer because let's be honest, who would you rather interview, Dave? Who's a better interview? Johnny Majors. Especially if you show up with a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, also on the website, would Johnny Majors, whose estate is up for sale, would he have won a national title had Philip Fulmer not replaced him? I explained why I think not. And we may get into that tomorrow. But the, the, the one guy, I, I think I do think the faith part because we're predominantly Christian country. I think the faith part played into it maybe more than you. And the reason I say that is his protege, Mark Richt, got a lot of passes at Georgia when it was obvious they weren't on the level of the other teams to compete for a championship. They had one year where they were like a play away from being in the national championship game. So I think that plays into it somewhat. But you're right. Great interview. Affable. He's accessible. Travis's dad gummit. That's what he always said. But he, he was accessible. Why? Because he'd call it a day at five, six p.m. Um, and I think a lot of people were able to interview him because of that. I mean, he didn't think that ball had to be sixteen hours a day, which ninety percent of the coaches do. So a lot of just things I'm throwing out there about about Bobby Bowden. But uh, yeah, if you want to talk about coaches that got a pass for longer than they should have. It's definitely Mark Rick to Georgia, right? Yes. I think Mark Rick had such an early splash at Georgia. Remember when he won an sec title his second year, and that was Georgia's first sec title since 1980 at the time or 1981 or something like that. And then he won another one in 05. So I think Mark Rick made an early splash and there was this idea of, Oh, he's finally going to get over the hump at some point and just never materialized. I think part of that was, by the way, we, to be fair to Georgia, they had border, they had Notre Dame standards in the SEC at the time. They had really high standards for their athletes and their players that you weren't going to be able to compete in the SEC. And they finally just said, forget it, we're throwing all that aside and we're going to go just try to win a national title now. And I think that's where Kirby Smart gets, has it a little easier than Rick did. Great stuff. Thanks for watching the show. We're live each and every weekday at 10 a.m. Don't do what I say when it comes to subscribing and like. Do what Jacob says. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off Thug Sports.